You're listening to the KB Podcast Network. <laughs> Welcome to McIntyre's Next Level Podcast, a place for entrepreneurs, leaders, and dreamers to awaken and be activated to their full potential. Are you ready to get out of the boat and experience your next level? Here's your host, Michael McIntyre. Welcome, everybody. Michael McIntyre here, your humble host at the Next Level Podcast here at McIntyre. And man, we've got a superstar VIP friend coming on here tonight, and I'm so glad he's here. I got to hang with him a little bit last week, and we got to catch up, and it was just wonderful to see his heart. And that's my good friend, Michael Hatzmiller, a.k.a. Basement Boy. How you doing, How did brother? You hear about that? How did yeah, you, you about that. Well, it's funny because last week, or I guess it was last week, maybe ten days ago, a couple weeks ago, when you were in town, we were sitting down there getting reminiscing and catching up, and I took a selfie with you and I posted it on my Facebook and my Instagram account, and somebody up in Minnesota said, "Hey, that's the basement boy from Remnant." <laughs> That's and, hilarious. So, and so I thought I've never heard that. I mean, I, I've seen you on Remnant, of course, because it's 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 amazing. And but I never heard you call Basement Boy. And so <laughs> right before our pre pre show, I asked you about that, and you laughed. You said some people recognize you in the street as Basement Boy. Yeah, I've had it on. I don't know how many times this happened now, but I was sitting in a coffee shop just working, minding my own business, and some guy looks at me, and goes. Nice to see they let you out of the basement. <laughs> I love that. I love that. So, man, how how long have you been doing Remnant? I came on as a guest on the podcast. Josh Lewis was he he started it. I think in 2017. He's sitting right over here. You started the Remnant in 2017, right? And so it only had like I don't know, maybe 300 subscribers at the time when I came on in 2018, and then and then I became the co-host for all of 2019. And then was on the board in 2020, but wasn't co-hosting because I just moved back to Denver. Mm -hmm. And then it started picking up a lot of steam. And so suddenly they had money to install a studio in my basement. And that's where the basement boy thing came on. And so I started co-hosting again and have been doing that again since the very beginning of 2021, every week. And then we do a lot of a lot of rando episodes as well and travel together and I'll do conferences together and it just keeps, keeps growing. So it's been wild. Well, it's, it's a big hit. Everybody loves it. And you guys are doing God's work and it's very impressive and say hi to Josh for me. Hey, have, yeah. I, have I met Josh in person? Has he been to the house or no? No, I don't think you've ever met him. Okay. All right. All right. He just looks familiar because I see him on Remnant all the time, I guess. You yeah. Know? So, uh, well, I think it's really cool. And thank you for uh, being on here. You and I go way back. I mean, I think we go back to like 2012. Is that right? Gosh. Yeah, that's probably right. That, that's wild. That, yeah. It doesn't feel that long at all. That's wild. <laughs> I know. It. I know it. I know it. And so, yeah, because I re- it was before you and Sarah were married. And I remember mm-hmm. we were at church and it was at Upper Room and down it was over the the old deal above the veterinarian deal and they had some some show that night it was like a i don't know a contest or something like that and you and sarah were sitting behind stacy and i and it wasn't sunday it was like during the week or something i don't know what it was but it was something and it was father son or some you know deal and i turned around and i saw sarah and I saw you there and I, I had seen you around and I think and I think you even came out and prayed over Stacy at one point. But I I looked and I thought, 
dang, he's doing all right. I thought, man, who is this woman? <laughs> I mean, this guy is punching way above his weight class, you know. And I'll never, yeah. I'll never forget when Stacy and I got out in the car and said, "Who is Hatsmiller dating, man? He is one lucky guy." Uh, and, and then that was, and then I think you guys were like, I, you probably were dating pretty steady then. And then not too long after that, within I guess a year, you guys were married. I think that's right. But yeah. And so we've had some fun times together. We've had a lot of fun. We've, we've ministered together. We've preached together. We've done NLE together and been all over the place and had some great times and had some very difficult times. And I guess that's, you know, as they say, it's, it's, it's bloody and muddy, just like when Jesus walked the earth, man. Sure. Uh, I mean, it gets intense. So, all right. One of the things that I really love about you and is number one is your brain, man. I mean, you are so smart, Michael. And I love that you're always seeking more and you're always, you know, you're diving into stuff. And, and so tell me, tell me who are some of your mentors. And I know this answer, but I want, I want people to hear it. Some of your mentors as you develop such a love for the Bible and for the word and for the Lord. Yeah, sure. So <laughs> you, you say you love my brain. I'm really smart about very little. <laughs> and when it comes to all that can be known, I, is, I, I, I'm a hobbyist. So like the things that I like, I get into all the way. And one of those things I got into was when I became a Christian. And then I got to, I, I started learning about the gifts of the spirit and started praying that God would let me be discipled by a guy, someone like a guy named Jack Deere. He wrote a book called Surprised by the Power of the Holy Spirit. Little did I know that he was actually 30, 40 minutes from me, and we would begin a friendship, and he would become my mentor. And so I went to his church for about six years, and then would travel with him on the weekends. He would talk about the gifts and then throw me on a stage to try to demonstrate the gifts, which was just like, it's like trial by fire. I had no idea what I was doing. And, and then, you know, he would hang out with me and teach me systematic theology and and then grill me and <laughs> play the devil's advocate anytime I had a particular theological position that he would just then tear down. So it was it was it was good because it got me to think critically and he's been a good friend ever since. Yeah, I think and one of the things that I think is really impressive with you is I remember you were doing a lot of equipping courses, right? And equipping classes. And we would Stacy and I were just starting to get to know you guys. And, and, and I remember we'd go, I don't know, it was on Tuesday night or Thursday night, man, the house was packed. I mean, everybody was hungry for equipping and learning how to hear from the Holy spirit and healings. And, and I, I, it was just amazing to me. And you would be up there and you'd bring up people and, and you would have them practice their gifts, their prophecy gifts. And, and it was just, it was just really incredible in watching you go through that. And yeah, I mean, it was a lot of fun and you really helped a lot of people really develop and listen to the Holy Spirit. Yeah. Well, your, your daughter was probably one of the best students I had in the class. <laughs> she was, uh, she was wildly prophetic and a lot of fun too. So yeah, yeah. I, those were some sweet times. I miss those days. Yeah, I know. It, it's all, you know, it, it's funny when you're always in the trenches and you're, you're trying to do something, you know, you you don't know that those are the good old days sometimes, you know? Yeah. You know, it's yeah, kind of, yeah. you always look back at that time and, you know, cause it, you know, things change as, as they always do. So, all right. 
So you and Jack Deere hung out a lot. I think I think you had me start reading his book, and I thought, man, this this stuff's too far out for me. I mean, you know, it was all kinds of stuff. And I thought, man, you know, listen, I love God. I love the Holy Spirit. I love the gifts. But this stuff was like crazy, crazy. But I do also remember, though, perhaps, is if Stacey and I would be driving across the country somewhere, I don't know, we'd be podcasting, listening to somebody talk about Maccabees or talk about these other books. I'm like, who are these people? Where's all these books come from? So we'd get on the phone to you while we're driving and say, tell us about this stuff. And, dude, you knew about these things. <laughs> I don't know if it said I knew a lot about it or you knew so little about it. <laughs> it's probably, one or the other. <laughs> probably true. It's probably true. But you knew a heck of a lot more than we did. I I tend to geek out about all kinds of things. I loved, I mean, this was me when I, I, I was a little kid. I was just a voracious reader. And so an archer, my son's like that now. He mm-hmm. He's like, he's already reading books on how to hear God as a first grader. But I mean, that's how I always was. And so anytime I, I wanted to know something, I would get every book on the topic. And I did that when it came to the gifts of the spirit. I did that when it came to theology. And now I have a theology broadcast podcast that we literally interview people from every every denomination of Christendom. So we, we try to get, we say we're, we're trying to break out of our theological echo chambers. And so we're a theology podcast that specifically loves to talk about the gifts of the spirit, but, but also kind of want to rein in some of the crazy charismatic practice out there. It's good. It needs to be yeah. read in. Yes. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It does. Hey, all it right. Does. All right. So yeah. So I I I I remember several times sitting out in our backyard in the summertime, having a cigar and a scotch and talking about the Bible and talking about God and talking these things. And I mean, I we would I, I would just sit there for, you know, we'd be out there for three hours, you know, and I just always marveled at you're being able to communicate to a layperson on this knowledge. And I know, and I'm not trying to puff you up and I'm not trying, I'm just, but it's the truth, man. And I think I love that about you because you, you're just so humble in that practice. And it's just, it's real, it's nice for me because it increases my faith to understand. Cause I like, I like, listen, I like seeing the, I like seeing the 360, you know, I don't like to just see, you know, the, the 90 degree angle. I want to see the whole 360 if I can. And I guess we won't know everything or we'll never know everything, but maybe we get to heaven, we'll have some more insights. But but it's I just find the way you teach and the way you preach to be really enjoyable and understandable and intelligent, if that makes sense. When, when was the first time you actually preached a sermon? Oh, first time I preached a sermon? Mm-hmm. I mean, it was probably, I was probably 24 years old. I was, I was at Jack Deere's church and he, maybe I was 25. He had put me, he, I was seeing a number of people get healed in a youth group specifically. And I was teaching the kids how to, to do that. And so he put me over the healing ministry at the church. Now, granted, he had already trained me in all this stuff, but he had me start teaching things. Like I remember this is the first time I ever taught on the kingdom of God. And what does it mean when Jesus went around and he preached the gospel of the kingdom of God? And so that was, yeah, I was probably 24, 25 years old. Wow. And it's a message I still preach to this day. And, and obviously I should, right? Like it's the same message Jesus preached. So yeah, why shouldn't we be preaching that today? A hundred percent. And then, uh, okay. So you told, and I'm, I'm going to skip around here a lot and, uh, okay, that's fine. Okay. Cause you were telling me back uh, a couple weeks ago about your trip to Scotland and and your healing and i just 
you know, it just, I remember you talk, we, we were talking about our friend that you guys went down to South Africa with and, and cast out some demons and stuff, which was really, yeah, it's just good. Of course, our friends kind of, you know, he, he likes to make it as dramatic as possible. And maybe it is, <laughs> yeah. maybe, maybe it is that dramatic, but when was the first time you cast out a demon and, and you knew what you, you knew it was a demon? Oh, I don't know. First time. I mean, that was the first time I had one speak to me through Not a person. South Africa. Yeah, but I'd I'd cast them out of people prior to that, but it was yeah. never it was never that demonstrative. Yeah. And in this case, I mean, the one in South Africa was it was a pastor's wife. Wow. She'd been in her husband was the first pastor of the church. He planted the church, and his uh son was the one who took over. And I was there because I was friends with his son. And so here's his wife, and she'd been living with this evil spirit for about 30 years, ever since they got married. And yeah, I mean, that that was probably the most demonstrative I'd seen. I mean, I know that we had ca- I'd cast a demon out of somebody who had a spirit of fear. And when we cast it out of her, she got healed of Tourette syndrome. And that was probably like one of the first like really demonstrative healings that took place from casting out a demon. Mm-hmm. But as far as a demonstrative demonization where like I knew I was talking to an entity that that was otherworldly mm-hmm. and and just came with this dark pervasive almost swallow you up kind of presence I was there in South Africa and then I've seen gosh saw some this weekend literally two days ago I cast demons out a few people one who had, who had gone through some really bad abuse mm-hmm. um, but it was very demonstrative similarly the demon spoke through the person and, and he contorted and all that kind of stuff wow it's just, I just, you know, I should say that that's the vast minority yeah. of demonization that we see out there. It's very mm-hmm. rare that people would contort and and the thing would speak through them. The vast majority of people that have evil spirits, they usually don't come, they don't, they don't make such a big show. Mm-hmm. Makes sense. You know, I remember when I first saw the movie Exorcist, okay, I was in the Air Force and I was, I was really young, didn't sleep for a thing two weeks. And I wasn't, you know, <laughs> you know, I was raised Catholic, you know, and, but the Catholicism, and I, I've got some friends that are really, they're charismatic Catholics and yeah, they're big. In fact, uh, you know, and, and they're big in that. And they had a big demon when they were making a movie uh, about demons and they called in an exorcist you know, from the mm-hmm. Catholic Church. And I just, I find it fascinating, Michael, maybe you can educate me and and, and our, some of our listeners, or maybe I'm just a, <laughs> the dumbest one here. But no, it seems like Catholicism engages more than the Protestant does in the demo- in casting out demons or exercising demons. Yeah. And can you share with us why that is, if if you know? Yeah, actually, if you had asked me a year ago, I wouldn't have known this, but I got my hands on a book called Demonization or Possession and the Possession of Christians in the Early Church. Mm. Uh, I think it was a dissertation of somebody. But when I read through that, it started to help make sense of a lot of this. The vast position of the church, historically speaking, was that Christians could be demonized. And that was on up until, well, after the, the Enlightenment, after the Protestant Reformation, the age of rationalism, then that became sort of fell out of favor. And even the idea of there being demons out there fell out of favor. Mm. We became very naturalistic and sort of throwing away the idea that there was a spiritual realm or existence beyond what the scientific method could prove. 
And so, but, but the Catholic Church has always maintained that Christians and people can get demonized, or they they use different terms. Like you, you don't call it an exorcist unless a person is completely possessed, and they would define that very differently than just than the word that you find in Scripture in English in the Bible. And that sounds like controversial to say that they would define it differently. When a when a Catholic says the word possession, they mean complete and total control. They okay. mean that it's going to display supernatural, preternatural knowledge, things that the that the demon could not know, mm-hmm. like extra languages and or paranormal activity, like they can move objects that have without using any kind of physical force or even levitate those kind of things. And so they would they would use the word possession to describe the most extreme form mm-hmm. of demonization. And by and large, the Protestant world has remained ignorant of it, but it's always been normative for for Catholics. Mm. Usually in the Protestant world, the ones who tend to believe in that kind of stuff are charismatics, Mm. because most of the Protestant traditions also would say that Christians cannot have demons, Mm. though that hasn't been the historical position for the first 1600 years of the church. Wow. And so, and I, I'm kind of convoluting two things, people having demons, and it's more specifically people, people who are Christians having demons. And so uh, because the Western world has been so influenced by rationalism, uh, we tend to say stuff like, well, you know, we've been Christianized here in the West. That's what Chuck Smith, founder of Calvary Chapel, would say. Mm-hmm. And so we don't see a lot of people who are demonized. You, you may see that in places like Africa. But I actually think he's completely wrong in that. I think I think that we in the West are just as demonized as everywhere else. I think it's really ethnocentric to say that. In fact, I think the the enemy's main strategy here has just to hide in plain sight. Mm-hmm. He's fine continuing his work mm-hmm. under the radar to where yeah. people don't know that that's what he's doing. It's good. It's good. That, that's a good explanation. And, and all right. So with with that, all right. So you know, I know that. You know, I know some I've heard a lot of people talk about it when they're casting out demons, people get physically sick and some not always, mm-hmm. but sometimes they they'll they'll throw up or something. And that is that is that part of the when, when the demons coming out or what what it happens when that is it's just or is it just a, a very emotional situation and gets their stomach upset? Yeah, I mean, I, I find it difficult when people try to say that or explain it away like they're very emotional. And that's why they're throwing up mm-hmm. reason. I, I find that difficult. Do you know how hard it is to make yourself puke? Like, yes. You know, yes. you tell. And why is it that when a person is saying "come out now," then they puke? Yeah. Like, yeah, it, that just doesn't happen. Now, as far as like what I, what I'm interpreting happening when those kind of things take place, or when a demon is leaving somebody, let me try as best as I can to explain it. So, like, you think the word for for spirit in scripture is pneuma. That's in the the Greek. In Hebrew, it would be ruach. And it's the same word used for the Holy Spirit, right? It's just be you're gonna add the word holy to it. And so the the same word that's used for spirit is also the word, uh, same word used for breath or wind. And so if you think of their existence, these are are, are entities, their personalities that do not have a body. Their existence is something like a breath or a wind. Mm. And so when it leaves a person, it's gonna leave in some sort of way that's like that. So they may puke, they okay. may dry heave, yeah. uh, they may, this sounds bad, but they may fart, they may belch, <laughs> right. yeah. Yeah. oftentimes they'll cough, mm-hmm. uh, and sometimes people would just feel something leave them, a lift off of them. Mm-hmm. But but that would be very common, I would say, to see people displaying one of those behaviors when that thing is leaving their body. Interesting. That's really interesting. Okay, so, all right, so with 
with your study of theology and with you geeking out on theology, you know, there's a lot, there's, there's, there's so many different, you know, doctrines or, or interpretations of the doctrine, I guess you would say. And nowadays you've got the passion deal. You got the NIV, you got this, you got that. What, what, what does you, what's your style hats? What do you like to read mostly? What, what version do you like the best? Well, I would, I would swear off the passion entirely. It's got <laughs> so much, it's got so much of that author's doctrine. That's actually really bad doctrine baked into his, I can't even call it a Bible. It's just something else entirely. So I would swear that one off completely. I tend to use, so I like Bibles that, that incorporate stuff we've learned from the Dead Sea Scrolls, stuff that has to, I, I want to make sure that they're consulting not just the, the Masoretic, which would be the Hebrew version of the Old Testament, but they're also using the Septuagint, which is the Greek version of the Old Testament, which more than likely is what Jesus and the apostles also used was that Greek version of the Old Testament. And so the ESV does that, the NET does that, the newer NASB does that. And so I use those those versions pretty frequently. Most of our podcasts we use ESV because they're going to have they're going to have a Bible that's done by a whole team of scholars as opposed to the Passion, which is one guy who doesn't even know Greek and Hebrew. And so they're they're pulling in the consensus of several scholars who studied all the 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 ancient documents. They do things called text textual criticism, where they're trying to figure out what what most likely was the original saying here. Yeah. Cool. And and the, the science and textual criticism is incredibly accurate. Yeah, and I love that. I'm I'm glad we I asked that question because I think it's really good for our, our listeners to know. You know, I think it's important because you know, you know, I don't know, because me, I, I'm I don't geek out on anything. Okay. <laughs> the, only, the only thing I like to do is I enjoy listening. I like I like listening to the Bible. I do. And you know, I do like to study, you know, under the rabbinic rabbinical teachings too. I find that fascinating. But yeah, so I have read the Passion Bible before, and I thought, wow, this is kind of wild. So it's good advice, bro. All right, so you're, you you moved to Denver, and you came back to Dallas, and you moved back to Denver, yes? Mm-hmm. And now you guys are you guys got a beautiful family, and you started your own church there in Denver, yes? I did, yeah. We, we planted uh, Reclamation Church in 2020, which tells you just how prophetic I am. <laughs> and had to shut it down after three weeks. And then you didn't take the fine. You meeting. were going to jail. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> not, not Denver. <laughs> uh, so we, yeah, we, we had to kind of postpone some meetings and, and then finally we're able to meet in a facility that was big enough to house us all where we could be six feet apart or whatever it was. Mm-hmm. And they required us to wear, wear a mask if we were going to meet there, which was like really frustrating. But I mean, then after all that kind of, subsided we really got going and it's been yeah a wonderful experience so four years in the making we just celebrate we'll celebrate four years on february 18th i believe that was was the first day we met so yeah it's exciting yeah Uh, man i think it's really cool i remember when you started and then you got some traction and then it started you know it's going good and yeah you know and i you know obviously you know we were up there in denver together when we were working with upper room and it's a Mm -hmm. tough it's a it's a tough place you know compared to dallas i mean you know dallas is you know there's a church in every corner and everybody you know there's pop-up churches i mean it's crazy here in dallas yeah. but in, but in denver's got a little bit different vibe does it not 
Yeah, it does. It's very post-church. And so a lot of people, they just think that all of that stuff is silly. Why, why waste time, any time with that? It's just that much of the culture in Denver would look at Christianity, the church, and the Bible as impeding progress, hmm. as, if, as if our culture is progressing towards anything resembling utopia. And so to, to, to plant a church is very much to go against the grain of the culture around us. But surprisingly, it's this church plant reclamation been the easiest thing I've ever been a part of, honestly. Um, God, I, I can say that. And, and here's the thing. We're not doing anything special. I started committing to just teach through a book of the Bible at a time. Imagine that. That's uh, radical, man. That is radical. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We, we teach, we teach the Bible. We preach against sin. We preach for righteousness. We do a lot of deliverance that gives the spirit or definitely uh, part of our uh, yeah. practice of our faith. We do communion every week. Come on. You know, you wouldn't, you would come and you would think this feels like a liturgical church somewhat. Yeah. And so like, I'm going through Deuteronomy right now and I'm about to start in Deuteronomy 27 talking about curses and blessings. And so I, I, I never went to a church where they actually taught through the whole book of Deuteronomy, but I will be completing the book of Deuteronomy sometime this spring. Very good. Very cool. And it's, it's funny because Stacy's doing the shred, the Bible in 30 days, you know, man, it's like, I, I hear this, she's, she's on her app and it's like, and I think she's, and I just mentioned that because I think she just got through Deuteronomy. So yeah, I, I, got I love the, Deuteronomy. Yeah. I got the three times speed version of Deuteronomy, yeah. which, which was good. All right. So uh, this is, yeah, all right, go ahead. No, that's all right. So, all right. You got this church and what time is the church on Sunday? What do, you, what do you guys got? Uh, 5 p.m. Mountain. Oh, nice. Mountain time. Okay. All right. Good. Sunday evenings, 5 p.m. Reclamation. There's church that meets there in the mornings. What, yeah. Where's it at in Denver? It's in the Platte Park area, so just south of downtown. Okay. Uh, it's off of a Logan Logan and Colorado Avenue, for those who are in the Colorado area that would know that. But yeah. So if you're listening to this- suburbia. And- and you want to come out there and see hats and and his beautiful wife and his beautiful children and and see some people. I'm sure there's people that I know that go there. And yeah, so if you're in the Denver area, you want to stop by at the Reclamation Church, man. I'm sure they'll welcome you, which is really cool. So how long is your worship there? Just depends. Usually we'll do we we want to do kind of a mix of hymns, but then also new music. And so I I it's a high value for me that we sing our theology. It's what the the church has always done historically speaking. And so it actually helps people to know what what we in the Christian faith are, are supposed to believe. And so I find that a lot of the contemporary newer stuff doesn't always do that. Although Hillsong did that song Creed, which I just love. They sing the Apostles' Creed. I, I can get behind that all day long. It's one of my favorite songs. Yeah, it's um, funny. And we talked about that because I grew up in the Catholic Church and we'd always say the Apostles' Creed, you know. And I didn't know what it meant. Didn't care less at the time, but I would say it. But then as I got older and then especially I remember, you know, after I gave my life to Jesus, going to a Catholic church for uh, some reason, I can't remember why it was a wedding or funeral. And they said the Apostles' Creed and it said one uh, apostolic Catholic church. What does that mean? So the, the creed was neither, I mean, the Catholic Church would disagree with me on this, but the creed was not meant to be a denominational statement. It was a creed that was given, uh, that the church created so that all believers, in, as they spread throughout uh, the world, would know what the core tenets of our faith are. So like you would know this person, if you if you believe the statements in these creeds and you believe these words and how they were historically defined, you are a Christian. Mm. If you don't believe these statements, then you are not a Christian. 
disagree with any single statement within that apostolic creed would put you outside of the apostolic faith. And so it was meant to be just a central statement of the core Christian beliefs for all Christians in all places. Cool. And, and, so, where, and it's where, historically been believed. And where would someone find this Apostles' Creed? Oh, I mean, you can, yeah, you can just do a simple Google search, say okay. Apostles' Creed. I, I would say my, my church, we don't just hold to the Apostles' Creed. We would say even further, we hold to to the first ecumenical, first four ecumenical councils of the church. So the Apostles' Creed, the Athanasius Creed, the Nicene Creed, and the Chalcedonian definition. And so it, it, I'll, I'll explain just briefly what those yeah. are. They just, as, as the church progressed and, and time went by, new heresies would spring up, things that would, that would contradict the, the creed. And so they would add little, little bits and addendums to let people know, hey, we're not this and we are this. And so Absolutely. that was it. Okay, cool. And it's good. That I, I love getting this knowledge. Maybe I geek out and just let, let, let you yeah. <laughs> tell me about well, this stuff. Hopefully my excitement about it is contagious. It is. It's good, man. It's really good. All right. So, all right. So I'm a big movie guy. I think, I, you know, we've talked about movies. You turned me on to some good stuff over the years. You and Sarah have. What is your, one of your favorite Christian movies? Favorite Christian movies? Yes. All right, so I I love Jesus Revolution. Okay, I thought it was really good. Yeah, that was really good. You liked yeah. it? Oh my god, I okay. loved it. Good. Yeah. Then if if I got the Hatzmiller seal of approval, then I can really like it. <laughs> oh, I you got to remember that's that's part of the tradition I was raised in because Jack Deere was mentored by John Wimber. John Wimber's church was originally a Calvary Chapel, so he was you know a friend of Chuck Smith. Gotcha. So I was actually I was in that part of California in July and again in August, and I got to meet people who were actually baptized by Lonnie Frisbee and Chuck Smith wow. at Pirates Cove. That's awesome. Uh, which was a, it was a it was a huge like highlight. I mean, yeah. I, I couldn't I couldn't stop crying when I watched that movie. I know I didn't want it to stop. I tell Stacy I don't want this movie to end. It was just and I thought Kelsey Grammer did a great job. I thought it was just well oh, wonderful. And, you know, and they showed everything, you know, the good side, the bad side, and, you know, you know, the redemption side. And so I really thought that was profound. You, <laughs> yeah, know. you asked me what my favorite Christian film is, and I'm like, oh, I don't like a lot of the Christian films out there. I don't know. <laughs> uh, Nobody does. I like I like the musical Les Mis. I mean, that's got a lot of Christian message in it. I, I, always, <laughs> I That was one of my favorite musicals, but, you know. I don't know about their Christian movies. There's a lot well, of movies you know, I, I think like. There, I uh, think there's some covert Christian movies out there. I think, you know, sure. um, you know, Narnia was pretty cool, you know. Yeah, yeah. You know, C.S. Lewis. And, and that, you know, that crossed over, right? I mean, did fantastic, right? And the allegory was rich in that movie. It really was. Oh, yeah. Which, which I thought yeah, was, I re- you know, one of the I movies. Those I, books before I was a Christian. Did you really? Yeah, see? Yeah, yeah. 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 And what's also cool, is I think J.R. Tolkien brought C.S. Lewis to Jesus. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think they were. I don't know. I don't know all of that story. I know that they were friends because yeah. they were both literary geniuses, right? right, right. Uh, along with, I think it was G.K. Chesterton. Wasn't he a part of that? Yeah, I think so. Well? Yeah, yeah. And there's a movie on Netflix. It's not done real great, but it's interesting about C.S. Lewis coming to Jesus when I think he was in Cambridge or when he was somewhere over there and, and studying. And it's it's really interesting. I just love seeing the giants. And you know, I would you know like Bonhoeffer. You know. Uh, oh yeah. You know what? I I would like to see that movie done well. You know, yeah, Um, that's the Bonhoeffer by Eric Metaxas. That's one of the best books. Actually, I'd say I like it slightly less than his other book, Martin Luther. 
Yeah. Luther was fantastic. Yeah. Um, and just, yeah, just imagine, you know, just imagine in Reformation when, when he went in there and did that. That was that was a pretty ballsy move, as they would say. You know, I mean, for him to do that, for, for Martin Luther to depend that on the church, that was pretty crazy. Oh, it, well, yes and no. So, like, it was normative for them to put up, like, concerns or thoughts and pin them to the door. You, okay. know, you see movies that that dramatize that action. Okay. However, what 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 caused it to be so controversial was the fact that the Gutenberg press had just been invented, uh-huh. and so when Luther pinned that thing up, it wasn't just that; it's that the Gutenberg press copied his ninety fifth thesis and spread it throughout all of Germany and then larger parts of Europe, and so it spread like wildfire. Whereas before, when John Huss who was who was burned. When he was bucking up against the same stuff, the capacity to spread wasn't there. Right. Today, you know, like we got Twitter and everything just kind of blows up online and we we have things called it goes viral. Well, that's what happened in his day. You know, suddenly the Gutenberg press is there. The 95 thesis just goes viral in in that world. And so for those that don't know, and correct me if I'm wrong here, you know, theologian, when he pinned that on the wall, that was the first time it was the Bible or the New Testament was in English, right? Or to where well, it, it was, it was in not English. in Latin anymore. Right, right. So suddenly, suddenly, and Martin Luther's Bible was was the one. Like he wrote a, a a translation of the Bible in German, and because of the Guten Press, it could actually be people could actually read the Bible for themselves. Nobody knew Latin. Right, right. Uh, well, and Latin so, Vulgate, like, yeah. yeah, and because. And the, in fact, you know, that's the Catholic Church. I remember my dad telling me that the Catholic Church was all done in Latin, even here in the United States up until like 1960-something. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so and it, it, the problem with that is it continued to create this divide between, you know, the, the laity and the priest. Right. And so instead of, and this was a cardinal Protestant doctrine, this idea of the priesthood of all believers, it was hard to, for that to happen when you've got people who can't read the language that the Bible is written in. And so Luther changed all of that. I mean, it, it was just, it was a big time. He made the Bible accessible. Yeah, it, it's it's the shot that was heard around the world, and 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 still reverberating today. Yes, you know the Bible's translated in I don't know how many different languages. You know, and there's still people out there doing the missions. You know, to places that haven't heard about Jesus, yeah. yet, which is really incredible. So, all right, and I, I could go on for hours about different movies and different things and historical people. I'd love to talk about Joan of Arc, but another time. Hey, all right. So tell me this. I always ask two of my two questions. Number one, what scripture are you in right now, or what's really sticking out to you? What's the Holy Spirit and and what book are you books or, or books of interest are you reading right now, Hans? Okay, so this is they both kind of go together. All right. So I've been in Deuteronomy. That's where I've been spending the majority of my time. It's also I just want to make sure that I I understand it as best as possible. So I always have you know, three commentaries open and uh, a series that I watch online. And, but I'm, I've been specifically ramping up and trying to prepare. I've been ready with most of the Deuteronomy stuff up until this chapter. I'm getting into Deuteronomy 27 on the cursings and blessings. And so I went to, to go find every resource I could on how do we apply the, the cursings and blessings of Deuteronomy to today? And so I picked up Derek, Derek Prince's book on cursings and blessings. I picked up a, a person who doesn't believe it applies at all, that because of Jesus's death, burial, resurrection, Christians can't come under curses. And uh, yeah, so I, that's where I'm at right now. I mean, if I had some leisure time, I would probably pick up another church history book. I just finished a book called Bully, Bullies and Saints. 
And it's a sort of a story about uh, some of the skeletons in the closets of historic Christianity. Uh, it's really fascinating. It talks about the Inquisition. It talks about... Uh, that was a brutal um, time. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It, it talks about a lot of the Crusades. And then it also talks about the things where Christianity has made huge advancements on the world. So like the fact that our, our healthcare systems are the way they are mm-hmm. because of Christianity. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's been the reason we have healthcare the way we do and service people the way we do is because of Christian impact. Yeah, all right. So, impact uh, all right. Culture. And that's really good. And I love that. All right. So when Moses, was it Moses that had the snake wrapped around the cane? Well, that. I, I don't know if he had a snake wrapped around it, well, but that was the, the symbol. For health, yes, or something like that, or healing? Yeah, I think, I don't know. I need to go back and look that up because I part of me is wondering if I mix, mix if we're mixing up two different things. But I know that the 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 idea was that the staff that Moses raised up healed the Israelites. And so I think there's been some sort of riff on that for that symbol. That all right, I'm going to have to. All right. So one of our geeked out listeners, I'm sure, are saying, no, it's this. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll, we'll get somebody who knows better than we do. Yeah, yeah. That, I just find that stuff interesting. I really do. I find it fascinating. And and to look at that stuff and study it, uh, I just I think it's 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 good to dig. I think you know, to see, you know, the rest of the story, so to speak, or, you know, yeah. or put it in a context of what, what was going on. And it's like, it's like, you know, during Jesus's time, if somebody mentioned Decapolis, I mean, they were, uh, they were considered unclean for seven days. Mm-hmm. Right. And, you know, and the Jews were, they were very scared of the water because in Genesis, you know, it said that there was chaos covering, you know, the deep and, and that, you know, they didn't want to go over to Decapolis. And so as soon as they get over, they got legion. Welcome you're clearly listening listening to some person who's yes. bringing a lot of historical context yes, yes, the Bible yes. study. Yes, 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 yeah, yes. I like and, it. Yes, and I know I impressed your socks off when I shared some things about Legion, which I was really I it made yeah, my heart yeah. sing. It was like Stacy won't believe it. I actually he actually liked something that I re- referenced. Oh. <laughs> and uh well, I did. I was like, this is great. Yeah. And most and people don't talk about that. I just way. find it all I just I like seeing things in context. And I think, you know, and you know, the rabbinical teachings, I'm 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 just find it all fascinating. So and I could sit and talk with you for a long time, especially with a scotch and a cigar. I can talk to you a real long time. I'll tell you, I'll tell you, if you get me if you want to learn context, knowing the book of Deuteronomy helps paint so much of the right. New Testament. Okay. But you cannot understand a lot that Jesus did if you don't, at least to its fullest measure, if you don't understand the book of Deuteronomy. Mm. Uh, Jesus quotes from that book more than any other. Uh, yeah, I think, in my, fact, when, the, when Satan tempted him, he was quoting some Deuteronomy, I think. Right, right. When, when, I, was, when I was diving into this book, I, I kept thinking about the psalmist and how he would say, mm-hmm. he would talk about the, the, the law. And how precious it is, right? It's a a lamp into my feet. Mm -hmm. How my man keep his way pure by hiding your word, O Lord, in my heart. And, you know, Joshua being told, you know, meditate on the book of law day and night. So you be careful, do what is written in it. Then you be prosperous and successful. It's like, I used to read Deuteronomy or Leviticus and some of those books and just like, how quickly can I get through this? Right. I'd read Genesis. That was easy. Exodus. That's easy. But then you dive into like all the laws, you're like, oh, you know, it's like reading a, you know. A genealogy but, tree. But it was needed to teach the priest and how to do stuff, yes? It is. And when you really start diving into it, you go, wow, this is actually way more practical than I realized. Mm-hmm. Like, for instance, if you go through Deuteronomy, how many times does it mention 
the the weak, the impoverished, like the mm-hmm. the poor, the widow, the orphan, the foreigner. You know, there's there's all of these protections that are written for these underprivileged peoples, mm-hmm. and unlike any other ancient Eastern people, there was no provisions made for these people. These were people were just discarded. Right. And yet God is seeing that they're going to become great and wealthy. And he's saying, but remember this, like you don't find any provisions made for the wealthy, the entitled, the rich. Mm -hmm. It's always, let's make sure to protect these people. And so you see God in comparison to the, the gods of the other ancient world. And you go, wow, he's, he's so kind. Yeah. He cares so much. Yeah. And he's yeah. always putting Israel in their place. Like, hey, you were one of these. Don't you remember? I just mm-hmm. brought you out of Egypt where you were a slave, where you were impoverished, where you were weak. And so it, that, yeah. that's the, ten, the the reminder over and over. Uh, yeah. Oh, yeah, no, it's good. It's, really, it's good, Michael. It's really good. All right, man. Well, listen, I just want to say thank you. I know you guys, this remnant deal is blowing up big. I think Joe Rogan's worried about you guys, man. Uh, yeah, right. <laughs> I think I think you're I think you're nipping at his heels, bro. And uh, which is really cool. And Stacey and I catch you guys and we'll watch you and and your team. And you guys are amazing. And you guys, I really like the way you guys just you know go into it and really study the stuff. And and it's just it's done really well. So congratulations on Remnant. Tell Josh I said hello. I hope hopefully I'll be able to meet him someday. And yeah, yeah. And where does where does Josh live at? He just moved to Ada, Oklahoma, and planted a church. And then well, Michael Roundtree moved. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Michael Roundtree moved here. He's now the senior pastor at a church called Bridgeway, wow. which is uh, Sam Storm's church. Wow, Ada, Oklahoma, prepaid legals there. Yes, I know all about that company. Did a lot of work. I did a lot of- <laughs> why, why do you know that? Because I did a lot of work. I owned a lot of stock in that company at one time. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah, it's back in a previous life. Before you had, actually, there was life yeah. before Michael Miller. I had promised you that. <laughs> it, it wasn't as rich, but it was good. It was good. All right. Well, tell, please tell Sarah I said hey, and uh, thank you so much, All man. Right. I appreciate you, and uh, keep up doing the great work. I'm proud of. The, and if you're out there in Denver, go check him out. Oh, what book do you got out right now? What bo- you've written some books, yes? I haven't written a book. I created a journal called the, the Journal. Overcomers that's right. Journal. You and Sam. Yeah. 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 Yeah, yeah. We have another business partner we brought on for marketing as well, but it's it's the journal that's created to help people overcome habitual ways of thinking. So they're called strongholds of the mind. It's like lies, but they always feel true. Where do we find so, where do we find this journal? Overcomersjournal.com. Overcomers. You can also find it on yeah, or you can go to thomasministries.org, which is my personal ministry. All right, I'll put it in the show notes. I'll have my producer, Darren Eubanks, the best producer in the history of producers. Put oh, it Darren is doing, that's his producing for you? Yes. I didn't even know that. That's funny. Yeah. For all time. Yeah, Darren's a good guy. Yeah. he I, He's been doing mine for almost four years, you know. I didn't even know that. Yeah. Yeah. And that's I've awesome. got it. He's doing a bunch of other people that we've worked on and, and it's in our tribe. So yeah, Darren's the man. He's easy to work with. Sometimes I'll get my, I'll get everything over to him. Like, you know, you know, an hour before Scott, <laughs> he rushes through and he just does it. He's, just, he's great. But yeah, so we'll put that in the show notes. So if what, what is it, what is it? Uh, so is a step-by-step in trying to overcome bad habits? Yes. Or start new ones. Uh, I would say it's more like dysfunctional behaviors that result from Things that we believe about ourselves, God, the world around us, so they usually result in bad behaviors. But if you can deal with the reasons why you believe these things about yourself, then usually those behaviors will stop as well. So it should help with behaviors as well. It's, awesome. it's what cognitive behavioral therapists do, but we use the scripture. So 
I love that. So get that if you're out there and, you know, I know, I think you've been doing that for a while and you've had, y'all revised it a few times too, have you not? Yeah, we just rebranded it this time with, with the input from licensed professional therapist. Awesome. Really cool. Well, Michael, thank you so much, man. Next time we're up in Denver, we'll come by and see your church and maybe, uh, yeah, I want to just check it out. I mean, you guys got your own building going there and you guys are doing well. And so congratulations, man. Thank you for being such a good, you're such a mensch. You're such a great friend and you are (laughs) a mensch. (laughs) That's right. You know what a mensch is, don't you? I know. I know. Yeah. yeah. Yes. Yes. (laughs) That's you are. Listen, I, 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 my mom will appreciate it. Yes, that's right. Yes, tell your mother that McIntyre called you a good mensch, and she'll she'll know. And she, so, thank you so much, man. I appreciate you being on here, brother. God bless and uh, Godspeed. Thank you for listening to the Next Level Podcast. Don't forget to subscribe, rate, review, and share. For more resources to help you maintain your next level life, join our community at themichaelmcintyre.com. dot